If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good evening. I'm Angela Cocott. You're listening to On Point. The big story in the news today has been a leaked U.S. Supreme Court draft decision on abortion. The decision, albeit in a draft form, reveals the high court has voted to strike down the landmark Roe versus Wade decision, opening up the possibility of states making abortions illegal. What does this mean? Stephen Farnsworth, professor of political science at the University of Mary Washington in Virginia, author of seven books, including Presidential Communication and Character, White House News Management from Clinton and Cable to Twitter and Trump. Professor Farnsworth, thanks so much for your time tonight. Sure thing. Glad to be here. Well, let's just start with uh, what Politico leaked last night that led to some protests. Give my listeners a bit of background there. Okay, so this is a preliminary opinion going back to February. And so it tells us at that moment that there were five votes to overrule the Roe versus Wade uh, decision nearly 50 years ago that legalized abortion nationally. The challenge, of course, is that um, the uh, people don't want to wait for the court decision. And so you're seeing both on the left and the right uh, excitement or discouragement, depending on their point of view, about the decision that hasn't come out yet. But um, certainly when you heard the oral arguments uh, on this case a few months earlier before this decision, uh, preliminary decision had been leaked, um, you certainly had the impression that there was not going to be a majority uh, for protecting the status quo on the Supreme Court. Uh, This is a goal that the Republicans in the United States have had for a long time. Many of them have run um, as pro-life candidates and presidents have committed to nominate pro-life judges. And so it appears that that conservative dream of making uh, abortion uh, a state decision rather than a national decision uh, is pretty close to happening. Professor Farnsworth, take us back to 1973 in the Roe versus Wade decision. Uh, Some people just hear that case and they don't really know the history behind it. Can you give us a bit of a history lesson there? Sure thing. So historically in the United States, abortion before Roe had been a matter that was determined by state legislatures. And so some states had abortion that was legal, uh, others did not. And so in that environment, you had a significant um, discrepancy based on where you live, whether or not you had access to uh, abortion. Um, And so people, if they had the means, would would travel to other states where abortion was legal. Sometimes they'd even leave the country uh, to get abortions where it would be legal. And so those kinds of dynamics may be uh, the harbinger of what we're going to see in the post-Roe versus Wade environment. What Roe versus Wade, the decision did, was say that states uh, could not uh, prohibit abortion. And they established in that decision, the justices, a ruling that said that there were, the question was one of basically of, of fetal viability. And so the mother's interest in having control over her body um, during the early part of the pregnancy is a period of time when there could be uh, abortion, uh, basically, um, at, the, at the mother's request. 
Um, and then, of course, um, the closer that you got to term of the pregnancy, then you'd be talking about questions where only uh, in cases of, um, of danger to the mother's life or something like that in the third trimester. Um, individual states, of course, have been chipping away at this decision for years, but in a variety of Supreme Court decisions over the last uh, 49 years, uh, Roe versus Wade has been sustained. There, there's been a little narrowing, a little focusing, um, and some other decisions that have created an environment where states had a little bit more latitude than maybe in the original Roe case. But what we're looking at, uh, at least in terms of this draft opinion, uh, would be to basically turn the clock back to 1972. So what brought it back to the Supreme Court now as they work on this decision? Was it a particular state or just politicians that wanted to have Roe versus Wade overturned? Well, two big things are different right now, and that is the, the current composition of the Supreme Court. Now, that's the first thing. Um, when you had uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court in the final uh, days of the Trump presidency, there was a significant um, um, opening that occurred with her death in the final months before the election of 2020. Uh, the Republicans who had not allowed Barack Obama to fill a Supreme Court vacancy during his last year in office, uh, nevertheless moved incredibly rapidly to make sure that there was a pro-life justice confirmed before the Trump presidency ended. And so, uh, and that changed the dynamics. Um, it looks like the current configuration of the court would be five votes to overturn. Uh, and one of those five is that new justice. So that's the first reason why all of a sudden uh, we're having this um, dynamic, but it really wasn't all of a sudden. If you think about it in the context of different efforts in different states to try to figure out ways to get the court to limit abortion. Um, this has been kind of a political long march, if you will, on the part of the pro-life community. Uh, they have been trying to get individual states to restrict abortion, to create uh, greater uh, aspects with respect to fetal rights and other issues um, in various ways to chip away at Roe versus Wade. Uh, the particular cases that the, the the Supreme Court are, are considering now involve uh, limits to abortion um, uh, if for the second trimester or, or maybe even after about six weeks. So you're looking at uh, much greater restrictions. Now, some states, if Roe versus Wade were overturned, already have in place laws that say abortion will be illegal in our state. Um, and still other states in the United States have uh, decisions in place that say abortion will be legal in our state uh, if the Supreme Court outlaws it. And so, you know, this is going to be a huge fight in the midterm election um, across the country as states are thinking about having to make these decisions uh, all over again. Stephen J. Farnsworth, professor of political science at the University of Mary Washington in Virginia, is my guest this evening. And we are talking about that leaked Draft decision. I want to emphasize that this is a draft decision. Can we touch on the leak? And I don't know what you can add to this, but that's got to be a big concern, too. We would not be having these protests or this discussion if this draft decision hadn't been leaked. Any speculation that you're hearing of as to how this happened? 
Well, this is really extraordinary. I mean, at, at, at the outset, it's really important to recognize that this simply does not happen in the Supreme Court. Uh, people who like decisions or don't like decisions, uh, there has been an extraordinary secrecy in the court so that the decisions come out without this kind of discussion about preliminary opinions and draft opinions. I mean, if you go back um, decades, you are not going to see a comparable situation. Um, we don't have any idea, in all honesty, about who might be responsible for this. Um, there is some speculation that the pro-life uh, side put this out in hopes of making sure that those five votes stay firm. There is some thought that Chief Justice Roberts, although appointed by uh, Republican President George W. Bush, um, does want to find uh, one more justice to chip off the five votes that look to be ready to overrule uh, Roe versus Wade to come up with some sort of narrower opinion that wouldn't actually overturn that previous decision, but maybe chip away at it a little bit. Um, and so that may be one scenario. The other scenario is that the pro-choice community, the people who favor abortion uh, and the Roe versus Wade decision, are trying to create a political backlash that will start before the court rules. And that may, um, instead of solidifying those five votes, as the pro-life community wants to do, uh, maybe chip away at that and make it easier for a, uh, a narrower decision to come through. Uh, we really can see incentives, motivations for either side to have done this, uh, but make no mistake about it. This is yet another way in which the norms of political operation in the United States have changed in recent years. People didn't used to uh, attack the government. They didn't used to threaten to hang the vice president. They didn't used to take over the Capitol, and they didn't used to leak Supreme Court opinions when they're in the draft stage. I believe an investigation has been launched to try to determine where the leak came from. Ultimately, it's out there. So it's almost like trying to get the toothpaste back in the tube. Could anything change, do you think, as far as this opinion? Will, do you think there's a possibility? As you say, both sides are trying to put pressure on for different reasons. Is there a possibility that this draft decision, when it is finally formalized, would change? Well, I, I, you know, as, as the saying goes, it isn't over until it's over. Um, and so th there is always the possibility that those five votes don't even exist today. We don't know that the views of February are also the views of May. Um, the final decision is likely to be released uh, it, towards the end of the term, which would be uh, the second half of June. Um, generally, the biggest decisions are at the last uh, week or two of the Supreme Court session, which consistently ends uh, by the end of June. So you're looking at a, at a scenario that it was a uh, an indication of where people were in February, um, and no doubt about it, um, there is a challenge here for uh, for the pro life community. They've wanted uh, Roe versus Wade out uh, overruled for for decades, but there's always been the problem that public opinion in the United States is more pro choice than pro life. That the uh, vast majority of Americans don't want to see abortion outlawed. And that creates a significant problem for the people who do want to see uh, it outlawed. And that's one of the things that uh, that is really, really part of the process. Now, the end result here will almost certainly not be outlawing abortion in the United States. The end result will be, in all likelihood, assuming uh, that there are still five votes to overturn Roe versus Wade, you'd create a state option. And so uh, states like uh, um, the, the traditional red states of the South will have many cases 
dramatically reduce access to abortion, if not outlawed altogether, and they're bore inside their boundaries. And then the blue states in the north uh, will more or less keep abortion uh, legal with the status quo. Um, it varies from state to state, um, which means that this story, even with this decision, isn't going to be over. It'll be a key part of the midterm election. It'll be a key part of the presidential election to come in 2024. And uh, this will not by any means be the last word in the continuing uh, decades-long fight over how to handle abortion laws in America. Well, thank you for keeping an eye on it for us. We really appreciate this, Professor. Thank you. Have a good one. Professor Stephen Farnsworth, Professor of Political Science at the University of Mary Washington in Virginia. He's the author of seven books, including Presidential Communication and Character, White House News Management, From Clinton and Cable to Twitter and Trump. I'm Angela Cocott, in for Alex Pearson. You're listening to On Point. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.